Father, we thank you for your giving. Appreciate you for that. Let us move right into the word of God. Would you grab your Bibles in your hands? Amen. Your Bible or your phone. And all you who memorize all the scriptures, grab your head. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me this word. If you believe you're going to be fed this morning, go ahead and praise the Lord. All right, so we've been in a series so far, and this is the fourth message in the series, but the series has been called Matters of the Heart. And somebody say, I didn't know that's what the series was called. I didn't know either until this week. So that's why I'm just now telling y'all. Matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. All right, so let's let's go through quickly and let's talk about some of the uh, messages been so far. The first message was a generous heart. And one of the words that we pulled out there is that the word generous also meant magnanimous. And we meant to have a magnanimous heart. And the main point of, the, of that sermon was to preach generosity without talking about giving to the church. Nothing wrong with giving to the church, but if your heart begins to give in general, then it will, it will flow in every part of your life. So being magnanimous means learning how to forgive, learning how to receive mercy and give mercy. And then we moved on to heart condition. And we talked about four different heart conditions. We talked about the wayward heart, the waning heart, the returning heart, and the repentant heart. And so the wayward heart is just a totally rebellious heart. But then the waning heart is a heart that's not rebellious yet, but it loses its first love. It loses its spirituality. And over time, it begins to backslide until it has a wayward heart. But what we wanted to have is a returning heart. The moment we begin to slip away from God, we want to have a heart that returns back to God. And then finally, a repentant heart. So as we return, we want to return repenting, saying, God, I'm sorry. Help me be what I need to be. And then that led us to last week, which was a holy heart. And we talked about holiness in a different way, different from the outward things that we do because uh, that's really righteousness and we have a free gift of righteousness. And But what it means to be holy is to have an uncommon heart, which means to be extraordinary. In other words, use the presence of God on your life, not that you're going to do everything right, but that you're going to be extraordinary. If you're in school, be extraordinary in your grades. If you are on the job, be extraordinary on the job. If you're going to be married, be an extraordinary husband or an extraordinary wife or or an extraordinary child. Don't be run of the mill. Don't be mediocre. Use the righteousness of God to be uncommon. And that makes you holy because in order the way you can do that, you have to set your side, yourself apart for the master's use. And we pointed out the, the very 
uh, fact that you walk through the doors of a church mean you've already set time for God. Keep doing that, not just on Sunday morning, but give God time and you'll be amazed at how God will blow your mind. And before I move on, I, I told you some weeks ago that the Lord, just for several weeks, he hasn't said it in a while, but for several weeks in a row, I would hear God whisper this, I'm about to blow your socks off. I don't know what that means, but I'm ready for it. God, whatever it is, blow my socks off. God, do something supernatural, something awesome. And guess what? If, he, if he's saying it to me, it's for you too. So how about you go ahead and confess it to God, blow my socks off. God. God, bless me in a crazy way. God, God, do something mighty in my life so I can show the world this is why I serve you. Because you are mighty God. You are way maker. You are miracle worker. You are promise keeper. Amen. I'm not here to preach. I'm just trying to teach a little bit. And we're going to move on to this. So this is today, today's uh, message. It's heart desires. Heart desires. This is the fourth in the series of matters of the heart. Now, Draylen said four is enough. You, you, you don't need to give no more in the series. He asked me, am I done? I said, I don't know if I'm done. I don't know until God tells me I'm done. Y'all got to pray for my boys. They're always picking on me about, about how I do what I do. No, we, we have a, we have a good relationship like that. So, so in this, in this series, one thing we have not done, we have not defined heart. So let's, let's look at that. Let's look at the definition of heart. Number one, a hollow muscular organ that pumps the blood through the circulatory system by rhythmic contraction and dilation. You didn't know your heart was doing all that. You just sitting here, but you don't know your heart is doing all that. But then number two is what really we've been working with, but I'm going to work with both de definitions, is the central or innermost part of something. In other words, when we say your heart, we're not just talking about your muscular organ, but we're talking about the center or innermost part of something or you or your spirit, your being, who you are, the central system of who you are. Now, Using the first definition, it talks about that it being a muscular organ that pumps blood through the circulatory system. In other words, it controls everything in your body. It, when the heart shuts down, the body's not far to go because it's so central to who you are and what you do. Going back to the uh, uh, story I told you earlier about my furnace, uh, what it ended up being, it ended up being the circuit board. The blower was fine. The gas was fine. The heat was fine. The system was fine. The thermostat was fine. The wires were fine. But everything that drives it was bad. The circuit board was bad. So no matter that all the other stuff was good because it was bad at the core, it messed up everything else. And what we're trying to say is if you are messed up in the center of who you are, it's going to affect everything. Listen, you can act like you saved in front of people, but if your heart is jacked up, it affects everything. So we want salvation in the heart. We want deliverance in the center of who we are. We, I don't want to fake the funk. I want to be real in here. 
Not just for y'all. I want to be real between me and God because I got some stuff that only me and God can talk about. I can't tell you all my junk. I can't tell you all my issues, but the Lord knows. And since the Lord knows, I'm saying, God, work on my heart. Having said that, let's look at Proverbs 4.23. We used it last week. We'll use it again. Read that for us. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's beautiful, but that ain't what church says. Above all else, make sure you shout. Mm -mm. Shouting is good. That's good. Above all else, make sure you speak in tongues. Speaking in tongues is good. Above all else, make sure what name you baptize in. Above all else, have the right denomination. Above all else, have the right bishop. All of that is good, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. So in other words, you can shout, you can speak in tongues, you can have the right denomination, the right bishop, be baptized in the right way, and still be going to hell. Because your heart is messed up. So God, help my heart. Let's let's read another verse, Proverbs 14.30. A heart at peace gives life to the body. But envy rots the bone. Oh, a heart that is at peace, it actually gives life to the body. Not just spiritual life, but all life. Some of the medical issues we go through, they have actually studied it scientifically. It has a lot to do with things that are not really medical. In other words, harbor bitterness in your heart long enough and it will affect your body. Harbor harbor jealousy and envy in your heart long enough. See, here's the thing about jealousy and envy. You can speak in tongues through it and nobody knows. But when you're looking at social media and a person getting married and you ain't got nobody and you get mad and you want to be, you you, you have a spirit of bitterness and anger, that's going to affect you over time. So you got to learn how to say, God, I need to have a heart that's at peace. No, no, it's not my wedding and no, I don't have anybody. But God, I thank you that I'm still living. God, I thank you that I'm still breathing. I I thank you for what you've done in my life. No, I don't have the car they have and I don't have the house they have. And I didn't go on the vacation they went on. But God, I'm still here. And so God, I thank you. I want a heart that's at peace. Because it affects my body. They, they even done some, some studies. And they, the study they did is they had two groups of people who were sick with disease. One group, they gave them real medicine to help them with the disease. The other group, they gave them fake medicine. It, was, it, it looked like medicine, but it was nothing in there. But they gave them a bunch of uh, things that made them laugh. And so they studied it out, and the people who had the real medicine were doing worse than the people who had the fake medicine. Because the people who had the fake medicine actually had medicine. It was the medicine of joy and laughter. See, if you have a good spirit and a good heart, I don't care what disease try to attack you, you can overcome it because your joy is better than ibuprofen. Your joy is better than aspirin. Your joy is better than health care. Your joy. And this joy that I have, the, lo- the world didn't give it to me. 
The world can't take it away. So, so I'm trying to get joy in my heart. And what I'm telling you that I, I'm, I go through things as a pastor as well, but I try to keep, keep joy in my heart. One thing I'm going to do, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to find a way to laugh, even if I got to laugh at myself. If I got to make my own TikToks and laugh at myself, I'm going to laugh because life is too rough for me to stick my head in the ground. I need to have a heart that's at peace. All right, so let's let's go even deeper with this heart thing. Let's look at Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. It it shows us it's going to contrast and compare different hearts. Let's look at 17, 5. And, yeah, 17.5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Mm, Okay. This is a, it puts two things together for us. It says the heart that turns away from the Lord is a heart that puts its strength in mere flesh. If your hope is in people, then your heart will soon shift from the Lord. Because you can't trust people and trust the Lord. Now here's the thing, we should know better than trust people because if anybody will let you down, folk will let you down. Pastor, I'm with you all the way. Two months later, you ain't seen them. You ain't seen them. You don't know where they at. People will let you down. But somehow, we're still tempted to trust in people. We got some church folk who trust in Donald Trump. I mean, trust in him. You, you can go, you can go Google, uh, Trump prophecies. You got people still prophesying that he's gonna come into office. Not, not in 2024, right now. Because they think they're believing in God, but their hope is in a man. I like the old song where it said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My trust is in the Lord. And when your trust is in your Lord, your heart's with him. But if your trust is in people or systems, your heart's about to fade. So let, let's, let's, let's see what goes with the person whose heart is turned away from the Lord because he's put his strength in mere flesh. And, and, and before we go further, when we say mere flesh, it's not just trusting other people. Some of us put our, our trust in us. Okay, let's look at verse 6. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhibited salty land. Let's go to verse six in the new international version. Maybe that font is hard. Is it hard for you to see? All right. Go ahead, Sister Kelly. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. There's a whole lot I can get into, but I'm, I, I, I want to keep moving. But what's so interesting is it says they won't even see prosperity when it comes. That There are some people who their hearts are so messed up, they can't even see when something good is coming. Have you ever met somebody that even when good is coming, they still complaining? 
I take you to Ruth Chris, and you ain't never been there. I bring you there, and I, I'm paying for the meal, and I, I'm going to spend a lot of money. And you're like, something's wrong with the ice. I don't like the ice. Oh, okay, we'll, 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 get, you, we'll get you something new. they bring you, you, you something else. Now, something's wrong with the napkin. This, this place is too fancy. Like, girl, shut up. Can't you see I'm trying to do something good for you? But when your heart is messed up, even when prosperity comes, you can't even see it. I don't want to be the type of person that when I'm getting blessed, I don't even know it. There's, there's an old story, and I'll tell the story again. There's an old story about a man who was drowning at sea, and he prayed to the Lord for the Lord to come save him. And then a cruise ship came, and they threw a life raft to him. And he said, no, the Lord's going to save me. And then a helicopter flew over and dropped down a ladder. And he said, no, the Lord's going to save me. And I don't have to go too far. You understand, the man ended up drowning. Because he thought the Lord was going to save him, but the Lord was sending him help, but he couldn't recognize the help because it didn't look like what he wanted. Yes. Mm, 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 mm. I, I, I want a Cadillac, but the Lord blessed me with a Chevrolet. Well, thank God for the Chevrolet because maybe the Chevrolet is on the journey to the Cadillac. But the Chevrolet was a test. If you complain about the Chevrolet, then God knows you'll never be ready for the Cadillac. When your heart is messed up, you won't even, you won't see, you won't see prosperity even when it comes. Let's, let's go to verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Keep going. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. It's interesting. Trees that are planted by the rivers of water, they don't worry about a famine because they are so connected their leaves still are green anyhow. Now, here's something I need to let you know. They're telling us that we might be headed for a depression. Inflation is high. We might be headed for a recession. But when you're planted by the rivers of water, I don't care what the news says. I don't care what they tell me about the next pandemic, the next disease. I trust that God's going to take care of me. Some way, somehow, God's going to find a way to bring me through. Well, how do you know, Pastor Andre? How could you be so confident? Because he brought me through the last thing. And if he brought me through the last thing, he'll bring me through the next thing. I'm going to stand firm and planted by the rivers of water, knowing I'm going to keep getting resources. I'm going to keep getting strength. My leaf is st still going to blossom. I'm still going to be okay. I'm still going to prosper. I'm still going to be delivered. I'm still going to fight through. I'm still going to rise because of the God that I trust in. Now somebody must say, say, well, Pastor Andre, that's not practical. Well, let me put it to you this way. They told you there was an economic upturn and you didn't have none of it. So if they tell me there's going to be an economic downturn, I say, I don't want none of it either then. See, if the world can prosper without me, then the world can fail without me. I'm going to be planted by the rivers of water. Let's look at verse 19. And, 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 not 19, verse 9. This is where he puts it together for us. 
The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I can't even preach to you how bad the heart really is. It's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. So the reason why we're dealing with the matters of the heart, because there used to be a song that say, my mind is playing tricks on me. But the reason why your mind is playing tricks on you is because your heart is playing tricks on you. And so I need a heart that trusts God. Now it's easy to preach it behind the pulpit, but when you're out there living it, it's not always that easy. Because at the end of the day, my daddy is still dead. At the end of the day, my my uh my 401k, it looked like I ain't put no money in it this year because of the way the market is. I looked at it and I got so depressed, I just turned off, stopped looking at it. So this is, it's easier to preach than it is to live. But at the end of the day, I know that God, if I'm ever going to make it, I got to offer you my heart because my heart is deceitful and it's desperate. And at the end of the day, I want to be what you want me to be. So what I'm going to do, I got to trust you because I can't trust in nothing else. Let's, let's look at verse 10. This is why it's so beautiful. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Mm -hmm. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. This is why I'm telling y'all what I'm telling y'all. Because God searches the hearts. And God rewards not based on what you do. He rewards based on what's in your heart. And so that's why I say some of y'all still going to get rewarded even if a recession comes because your heart is right. You've been messed over. You've been lied on. You've been talked about. You've been disappointed. And somewhere in a dorm room, you still praise the Lord. Or somewhere in your house, you still praise the Lord. Working on your job, you still praise the Lord. So God says, I'm going to bless you because I see what's in your heart. I search hearts. I know what's in your heart. And God said, for some of y'all, I'm getting reason why I'm getting ready to blow your socks off because I see something good in your heart. How about you just hit your heart and say, God, let it be me. Let it be me. Let's, let's move further. Let's, let's give us an example of the difference between a wicked heart and shifting to a different heart. We're going to drop in the, in the story where Saul had the kingdom taken from him. So let's look at 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 14. Saul waited there. Hold on just, just a second. Would you, would you flash the full thing up there just again, just in case anyone's taking pictures and want to know the references? We'll give that just a second. All right, let's move on to verse 8. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away. I'll give you a little background to catch you up. So so Saul was supposed to be fighting an army. And while he was fighting this army, uh, he was told what to do. And so he didn't have the patience to follow it all the way out. His army was slipping away. Samuel said, I will come after seven days. But after the seven days, he had not come yet. He wasn't totally late. But he had been delayed. And what you have to understand in your life, delay is not denial. And so when things don't come right away, what we often do if we have the wrong heart is we take matters into our own hand. God ain't sent me no man, so I get one. 
God ain't sent me no woman, so I'm going to go down to the script club and find one. You can do that if you want to, but you might end up with the wrong one. So you got to learn how to wait on the Lord. And in order to wait on the Lord, you have to have a good heart because God will keep you still longer than you want to be still. Now, I grew up in a time where your parents would tell you to be still, and you had to be still. Not, not, not be still and you're going to get some ice cream or be still and you'll go to Kings Island, but just be still because I'm tired of y'all be still. And you just had to be still. Now me being me, I needed to understand why I was being still so I would move. And then I got spanked for moving and I learned out that when mama and daddy said be still, that's what they meant. Be still. These young kids, they, they got their phones to play on. Be still. Well, can I at least play a game or can I watch YouTube? We didn't have none of that. We just had to be still. Well, some of us had the same spiritual uh, attention span deficit that when God says be still, we start taking matters into our own hands. Let's, let's look at verse 9. So he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. That don't seem like that's too bad. But that wasn't his lane. That's not what he was anointed to do. That's not what he was anointed for. So one of the problems we have when we take matters in our own hands, we start getting into stuff that we're not qualified for. And here's the thing. The demons know we're not qualified because we step on their territory and we don't have any anointing and we wonder why we get beat up outside outside the head because we got matters in our own hands. Ask the seven sons of Sceva. Some of y'all know the story. I won't go into it. Ask them what happened when they took matters into their own hands. So Saul, he decided he was going to do the burnt offering. He was going to do all the stuff he was spo- that Samuel was supposed to do. Let's look what happens in verse 10. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet and welcome him. So that means Saul, I mean, Samuel was not that late. Because as soon as Saul finished the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. So that means he didn't have to wait another week, another month, another year. He just had to wait a few more moments. Some of y'all, you only need to wait a few more moments, but you're so used to grabbing and doing stuff with your own hands. And if you're still tempted to do that, what I'm trying to submit to you today, there's something wrong with your heart. You're trusting in the wrong thing, and what you're trusting in is you. You're about to make a mess of stuff. Just stop. If God hasn't opened a door, what a friend of mine told me, just work in the hallway. Until the door opens, just do what you know to do. Well, I'm a, I'm a preacher, and don't nobody get to preach but Andre, and I'm tired of it. I'm going to start my own church, and it's going to fail in two days. Just wait. Let God open the door, and when you get there, you'll be ready when the door opens. So wait. Be still. Look at your neighbor and say, be still. Be still. Please be still. Let's, let's, let's look at verse 11. But Samuel said, what is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at Michmash, ready for battle. 
what's, what's interesting is Saul actually had a good excuse. He had a good reason. I, and look, the battle was slipping away from us. We were losing. And this is why we take matters in our own hands is because the situation, yes. and it looks bad. Yes. Like God ain't going to. I'm getting ready to do something. You, you, you know, uh, Brother Donald, today, they wanted something that they didn't have money for, and they decided, I'm going to rob a bank. How do you go from, I want this and I can't afford it, to I'm going to rob a bank? But people are sitting in prison wishing they had 24 hours back to rethink that silly idea but really what it was is they didn't want to wait. Yes. I would rather have it right than to get it wrong. Because yes. when you get it wrong, you suffer long. That's right. Let me say that again. I feel like I'm rapping. I'd rather have it right than get it wrong. Because when you get it wrong, you suffer long. Help us, God. Return back to the root. Return back to the root. Sometimes Siri act like she got an attitude with me. Return to the root. <laughs> hey. Yes. That's good. That's good. Some and get back on track. Let's go to verse twelve. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. I felt compelled. Oh, a lot of us. I, the reason why I got in trouble, I felt compelled. Ooh, Sister Anitra, I felt compelled because I seen how tight her dress was. So I felt compelled. But HIV hides behind tight dresses. But I felt compelled to take matters in my, you, you got, you have to understand that the devil will set traps for you. You gotta be worried about your compulsions and your compelling. Sometimes you just gotta be still. Be still. Oh, that was too deep for y'all. Let me back and let me back up a little bit. Felt, and, and, but, but what's interesting, Samuel also said, he's like, and I haven't asked for the Lord's help. So a lot of times what we do, we try to make it real deep. It, see, what it was is I was, I was really, I really wanted you, God, but the truth of the matter, we just got compelled and we moved in our flesh. Verse 13. How foolish. I just want to stop right there. Let me just say that. How foolish. That, that, that could have been the title of the message. How foolish. Oh, come on, let's, let's read some more of that. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. My, my God. 
God deals in forevers. And some of the moves you make, the reason why he wants you to be still, so not because he's trying to bless you, but he's trying to bless your children's children's children. He wants to do something that will bless generations, but he needs you to get out of his way. He needs you to have the proper heart because if you would do it his way, I plan on doing something that's going to change generations. Yes. Said I would have established your kingdom forever. But let's look at the, the next verse, which is the reason why I went here. Verse 14. But now your kingdom must end. Must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Wow. So God says, I'm getting ready to trade you in. I'm getting ready to demote you. I'm getting ready to fire you and I'm getting ready to hire someone else. But he said, I'm changing the criteria. Now I'm looking for a man after my own heart. Come on. Here's in this next season, the people that are going to be prospered and the people that are going to be blessed are the people that are after God's own heart. The people, not only are they fashioned after God's heart, but they're pursuing after God's heart. And the reason why I'm teaching you about heart matters is because God's looking at the heart and he's getting ready to drop generational wealth and generational health and generational uh, peace and generational joy. But he's looking for somebody that's after his own heart. Yes, yes. But that leads me to last week's sermon. Last week's sermon, we talked about a holy heart. And if we look at it, even though we know Saul was not perfect, it don't seem like Saul blew it as bad as David blew it. Saul just didn't wait on Samuel, but David got Bathsheba and then killed Bathsheba's husband And tried to hide it all. At the end of the day, David was rougher than Saul. But God said David was a man after his own heart. And so what I want to submit to you, you may not do everything right. But if your heart is right, God can work with you. Let me go back to the example. Yes, because her dress was tight. You were there and she did have HIV, but God stepped in and blocked the HIV because your heart was right. Yes, you did a wrong thing, but God is so merciful. If your heart is right, I can still touch you. If your heart is right, I can still bless you. If your heart is right, I can still make a way out of no way. If your heart is right. And I'm here to let you know at Deliverance Temple, we're not the most perfect, we're not the greatest, but our heart is right. We got a heart after God. We have a heart that pursues after God. And because of that, God is about to bless his people. Yes. Yes. Let's, let's, let's go back to, uh, Hallelujah. let's go back to heart. We're going to put a, a definition of heart, but instead of the heart definition, I'm, I'm using Last week's holy definition. And the definition was this. Dedicated or consecrated to God or a religious purpose. Sacred. Devoted to the service of God. And we talked about when you spend time with God, it makes you holy. And then number two was morally and spiritually excellent. But then we scratched that out. 
Because the only way we can be morally and spiritually excellent is we have to receive from the Lord. Yes. We can't do it in our own strength. We got too much flesh to be morally and spiritually excellent in our flesh. I can be morally and spiritually excellent by trusting in God. So the difference between David and Saul was that David trusted in the Lord. And because of that, even though he was not morally excellent, God had a way of making something out of him. And before I move on, some of y'all are going to be blessed in such a way that people are going to be mad at God over you. Let me just, let me just throw out uh, Jasmine. I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of Jasmine. God always blessed Jasmine. Jasmine, I know she ain't as holy as I am. I know she don't know as many scriptures as I do. I know she don't fast the way that I fast. Look at her. She wear pants and she don't wear dresses like I wear dresses. And folk going to be mad at God over you. It's not about what she's doing on the outside. It's about the heart she has on the inside. Oh, I got a good heart. I got a holy heart. I got a righteous heart. I got a delivered heart and God about to show up in my life. Be mad if you want to. Be jealous if you want to. Be envious if you want to. It ain't about me. It's about my heart. My heart belongs to God. Somebody say my heart belongs to God. Alright so Let's go. We're going to run through a couple things real quick and just give you seven reasons David's heart was after God. Let's put up number one. Sister Kelly, would you read that? David's love. David love like nobody loved. He, he loved Jonathan so much so that he made sure Jonathan's child was taken care of. So here's one way to have a good heart. You got to have love in your heart. Thank you, Lord. Number two. David's worship. David was a worshiper. Yes, David had some issues, but David was a worshiper. If you know how to love God and you know how to get your worship on, you are somebody that is after God's own heart. Come on with number three. David's humility. David's humility. David knew how to humble himself and bring himself down. Prideful people don't have the right heart. Narcissistic people don't have the right heart. If you don't believe me, go get in a relationship with a narcissistic woman or a narcissistic man and you'll find out that pride will wear you out. You need somebody that has humility in their heart. Number four. David's integrity. David had integrity. Yes, he made some mistakes, but David had some deep integrity. David had so much integrity that there were certain things that he did that was beyond the norm because he had the heart that had integrity in his heart. Let's look at number five. David's forgiveness. David learned how to forgive because Saul kept trying to kill David, kept trying to do him wrong. See, when God said, I'm taking the kingdom from you and giving it to somebody else, it didn't happen right away. Saul was still king and he still had to see David being anointed and he was so mad at David he kept trying to kill him not because David did anything wrong but now the anointing of God rested on David but guess what I just told you folk gonna be mad at God over you but what you still need to do you still need to forgive something happened to me recently I was I was I was talking to, to a friend of mine and I mentioned someone else on social media 
that used to always be on my page, used to always like my stuff, used to always, and I was like, I was like, somehow they didn't deleted me from off all their stuff, and I, I don't know why. And then my friend said, I thought you knew why. The reason why she said she deleted you is because blah, 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 blah. I was like, what? <laughs> Basically, she told a bold-faced lie on me. Now, this has been going on for years, and I didn't know it. But the first thing I wanted to do, and I wanted to put a post on Facebook to, to none the Lord was like, no, 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 no. Because evidently, people didn't believe her because they still are trusting in you. But I'm like, I know she didn't. I wish I had the screenshots to prove it. I, I, I wish I could prove, but God says, if you have the right heart, you'll let it go. Sometimes we got to have that frozen anointing. Let it go. Let it go. And if you are going to be where God wants you to be, you have to learn how to forgive. And here's the thing, and I won't stay here long because we talked about it in our first sermon, Generous Heart. But here's the thing. Many times, the people you have to forgive are behind you. So... If you go and fight and fuss with them, you got to lose ground to turn around and deal with people who are already behind you. You're wasting time dealing with folk that are behind you. Just keep moving forward. Don't worry about it. Let it go. All right, let's let's move on. Number six. David's faith. David's faith. I, I won't spend too much time on that. Just him having the faith they had. Look at number seven. David's trust. David's trust, which is where I want to focus on. And now we're going to close with a psalm from David. David's trust. David had a trusting heart. We're going to close with Psalms 37. And this will get us to the title and show us what we're talking about. So Psalms 37 and 1. And it is a psalm of David. So let's read. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Oh, just what I told you. Don't worry about the people who done done you wrong. Guess what? If they stabbed you in your back, they was behind you. So just keep on moving on. Don't worry about it. Verse 2. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. They will soon die out. Sister Krista and Brother Doug, y'all own a lawn company. And in the next few months, you're not going to be that busy, are you? Because the grass in this climate, it dies. Mm -hmm. It fades away. It adjusts. And here's the thing what God is trying to say. Don't worry about somebody that's going to fade away anyway. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about somebody that's about to drop off anyway. Yes. Don't worry about people in your life in the past because they don't have the makeup you have. You can function in all seasons. Some people can only function in few seasons. Amen. They only good when it's summer. Come on. But I'm good winter, spring, summer, or fall. Yeah. All you got to do is call. And I'll be oh wait a second. I, I'm quoting the song. You got a friend. I'll, I'll be there. I felt Dion Ward real quick. Hold on. Let's move on. Verse, verse number three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. Wait. Trust in the Lord and do good. Hallelujah. 
The problem is the church has told y'all, you got to do good. You got to do good. You got to do better. You got to do better. But when it forgot to tell us, you can't even do good until you trust in the Lord. But when you trust in the Lord, the ability to do good comes somehow out of nowhere. And I don't know how I did what I did, but I put my trust in the Lord. And when I put my trust in the Lord, I was able to forgive. I was able to do what I didn't think I could do because I put my trust in the Lord. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we're going to trust in the Lord. Let's look at verse number four. Now, this makes it all make sense. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Wait a second. We're talking about heart desires. And so when our heart begins to be cleaned up by us trusting in the Lord, two things happen. Number one, we give our heart to the Lord. And then what the Lord does, he places desires in our heart. And gives our heart back to us. And then he looks at our heart. And gives us the desires of our heart. But we didn't even know we desired it. Until he put it in us. I didn't even know I liked wearing suits. I had no idea. I went went to Vegas with my wife in 2003. And on the way back home we stopped. The place in Indianapolis. And I just happened to wander to the men's section. And seen the suit. And the man behind the thing said, said, let me help you try it on. He's like, that look good on you. And I'm like, yeah, it actually do look good on me. So I ended up, I ended up leaving there with two suits. And from 2003 to now, I've been buying suits ever since. I, I didn't even know I liked it, but God had placed a desire in me that I didn't even know. And let me let you know something. God is getting ready to raise your level of desire. What you used to desire just ain't going to be right no more. Just It's going to raise your level of desire. The places you used to vacation, you're going to say, I can't go there no more. My, my desires have shifted. And it's not that you done got bougie. It's that God then put something in your heart. And when God begins to mess with your heart and work with your heart, stuff just begins to change around you. I can't go for what I used to go for. I can't settle for what I used to settle for because my heart has shifted. I want the best of the best because I'm blessed by the best. I want what God has for me. What God has for me, it is for me. I'm about to grab it. I'm about to get it because I'm putting my hope in the Lord. I I got a little time. Let me give you one quick story. I, I, I am... I am a blessed person, but I'm also a cheap person um, in, in, in the way of me being frugal. So every time I went to Indianapolis, I always park in the $9 lot and ride the bus over thing. Because if I'm gone for five days, nine times five, 45. I can handle that. Well, one particular time I went, to, I went there, and that lot was full, and I was running late, and I had to park in the garage, and the garage was $20 a day. I'm like, that, that's quite a bit more than $9. But it was something about getting off the plane and getting right to my vehicle. Even though it costs more, I can't park in the cheap lot no more. I, something's happened with my desire. Now the last time I flew, I went to the garage and the garage was full. 
And I got ready to turn back around and go to the cheap lot, but something just said, go to valet. Now, now the garage was $20, but valet was $7. I'm thinking it's only $7 more. And they had my car warmed up and ready for me soon as I walked out the airport doors. Guess what? Next time I fly, I'm flying valet because my desires have changed. You used to like, you used to like a roughneck, but God getting ready to change your desires. He about to give you somebody that'll blow your mind. Not another cheap woman, not another cheap man. God give me a valet, man. Give, give me somebody that's top notch, God. Change my desire. Change my heart, God. Raise me up. Alright, let's keep, let's keep going. Let's look at verse 30, verse 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. Oh, commit your way to the Lord. Now, this will actually help with, with the idea of planes and luggage. When you study this out in the Hebrew, it actually means roll your works on the Lord. It's, it's almost like when you have a backpack that's so full and so heavy, you can't take it off normal. You almost got to roll it off. Guess what? The cares of this life, they will try to sit on your shoulders. It'll try to weigh you down. But if you roll your works on the Lord and roll your cares on the Lord, God will commit himself to doing what he said he was going to do. He's about to give you the desires of your heart. Some of y'all, after y'all leave here today, I'm going to give you some homework to start writing down some new desires. I want you to start crossing some of that stuff off your head, and I want you to raise it up. I want you to change your screensaver to something that looks luxurious. I, I want you to raise your level, not because you are into material things, but because God is touching your heart. Verse 6. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Guess what? You about to be, listen, Rihanna said you shine bright like a diamond. No, God says you're going to shine bright like the noonday sun. When you step outside like the noonday sun, you about to shine because God going to put you on front street in a good way. Verse 7. Be still before the Lord uh-huh. and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Going back to what we said, be still. Don't worry when people do it the wrong way. Verse 10. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. Verse 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. That's what Jesus quoted later on in the Beatitudes. But because we have the right heart, the meek will inherit the land and have some prosperity. Peace and prosperity. Verse 25. Let, let, let me read this one. Just because I want to read it in the old school mindset. I once was young. And now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging for bread. Now, Kelly, you read it the way it is up on the screen. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken 
or their children begging bread. Guess what? I done worked on my heart. And down through the years, I found out there's nothing like righteous folk being blessed. I've never seen righteous people be in the end. You may be in the back right now, but righteous folk won't stay in the back. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let him lie to you. Righteous people, we will win in the end. And guess what? We're going to start winning right now because our hearts are right. And we're going to have the desires of our heart. Verse 39. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trust. That's it. Verse 40, the last verse. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Guess what we're talking about? It's having a heart that takes refuge in the Lord. And because of that, he's going to save us. And guess what? Another word for salvation is deliverance. And where did you come to church today? You came to Deliverance Temple. And I'm trying to tell you, deliverance belongs to you if you cause your heart to trust in the Lord. You can stand to your feet and we're going to close with this last thing. And I'm going to read it to you as we are standing. Those of you online, you can look at it. When my heart desires God, he gives me my greatest desire, which is salvation and deliverance from all my enemies. Well, pastor, I thought you were talking about being blessed. Being broke is an enemy. Being depressed is an enemy. Having jacked up relationships is an enemy. I'm saying I want deliverance from all my enemies. Well, pastor, I ain't got no enemies. I just eat too much. Well, we want you delivered from that too. Everything. We want you to have, put it up. We want you to have your heart's desires. Heart desires. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, as you've given me this word to preach to the people, and as we've been dealing with matters of the heart, but you only want our heart better so that you can put what needs to be put in there and you can turn around and bless us and give us the desires of our heart. But here's the greatest desire. Our greatest desire is to put our hope and trust in you alone. So God, forgive us for trusting in any other thing than you. So Father, we repent. We come back to you. If there's anybody here that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins, I pray they would just say these simple words. Father God, I thank you for sending your son I receive his work into my heart to bless my life. And I am saved. I am delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, shout hallelujah if you believe it. God bless you. Those on the live stream, God bless you. And you are dismissed. If you want prayer for anything, I'm going to ask our prayer people just to come and just be here.